and welcome to another broadcast of Sunshine USA. I'm Warren Landis, your host and Bible teacher here on Sunshine USA, and I'm so grateful to have you tuned in at this uh, particular time. <laughs> uh, obviously, we have an awful lot of listeners around the world. Uh, I know that we have listeners in Mexico and Canada, Philippines, South Korea, uh, many of the European nations are listening, uh, South America, uh, especially the country of Brazil. It seems that we have a fairly large number of listeners in Brazil these days. Thankful for that. And uh, it, it's really a world mission work that we're doing here at Sunshine USA, carrying the gospel and teaching the Bible in all the world. Amen. <laughs> And the best thing you could do for us is to simply tell other people about this exciting internet radio ministry called Sunshine USA. And um, let's see, today we're going to be continuing uh, in the book of Luke. We're basically going to pick up where we left off yesterday. Now yesterday we talked about Jesus being born in Bethlehem. And of course, uh, you know, this is a message that uh, typically would be uh, preached by many preachers in December every year at Christmas time. But it's really not just a Christmas message. It's a message that applies every single day of the year. First of all, we know that Jesus was probably not born at Christmas time. He was probably not born in December. It was more than likely either the spring or the fall, according to many Bible scholars. Uh, and really, the important thing here is not when Jesus was born, but that he was born, and that it was the perfect fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Bearing in mind, uh, in the Old Testament, we find that virtually every aspect of Jesus' life was foretold in prophecy. And uh, this was an exciting thing, the fact that we have a prophetic prediction about Jesus coming into this world and all the different things he would do and where. <laughs> all of this was forecast in the Old Testament. And, and you know what that proves is that the Word of God is very, very powerful and that God will always do that which he says he will do. If God says he's going to do something, you know, guess what? You could go to the bank with that. It's going to happen. <laughs> Amen. We, we talked yesterday about how Jesus was born in Bethlehem and not Nazareth. I mean, had it been up to Mary and Joseph, I'm sure that the Christ child would have been born in Nazareth. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. That's where the Old Testament prophets were said he would be born. And it took the actions of an unbelieving uh, Roman government official to make that prophecy come true. Caesar Augustus, he sent out a decree that all the world would have to be taxed, and that meant that everybody would have to go into their own city. And in the case of Mary and Joseph, uh, Joseph under Jewish custom and law, was considered the head of the household. 
So they had to go to Joseph's hometown, which is why they had to go to Bethlehem. And the law didn't make any exception for Mary being in the third trimester of her pregnancy. <laughs> she was literally in the final days of her pregnancy. And yet the law said she had to go. Staying at home in Nazareth was not an option. And so here, secular law actually helped biblical prophecy come to fulfillment. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about the shepherds. And uh, you know, the, the shepherds back in uh, the Old Testament times, and even in the New Testament times, they were not very high up on the social register. Uh, they were not very well thought of. And usually back in those days, if you were the parent of a teenage boy, uh, you probably weren't very excited if your son said, Mom and Dad, I want to be a shepherd. <laughs> if you were the parent, you'd probably try to talk him out of it. And one of the reasons, of course, is the fact that the job, frankly, didn't pay a lot. And I'm, I'm not going to say that shepherds were the poorest people of their day, but they, <laughs> sure as anything, they weren't the richest people of their day either. Amen. <laughs> they were rather low on the pay scale. You knew as a parent, if your son wanted to be a shepherd, he was never going to make a lot of money. Never be well thought of in society. And yet, we find that the work of the shepherd was very important. The work of the shepherd was very important. And the reason for this is because the shepherds guarded the sheep. And perhaps other cattle as well. But they were very, very important. If you were a rich man back in those days, chances are you had either cattle or a herd of sheep. And of course, that meant you had to have shepherds to watch them, to take care of them, protect them. That was what the job of shepherd was all about. Now, I might point out that shepherds back in those days had to be brave. The job had a lot of dangers. Uh, you'll recall, of course, that David himself was a shepherd. When David wrote the 23rd Psalm under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, David knew what he was talking about when he said, The Lord is my shepherd. David knew exactly what that meant because he was a shepherd. And David, among other things, talked about how on some occasions he had to fight off wild animals bravely. So shepherds, it seems, had to be both brave and strong. I mean, after all, their job was protecting the sheep, protecting the animals that they were paid to protect. And, of course, it was not exactly a nine-to-five job. You know, it wasn't like you go to work at 9 o'clock in the morning and you go home at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Sheep had to be guarded and watched over and cared for 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Now, I would imagine 
that many shepherds work together in groups, like we find here in Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 8. They worked together in groups, and that meant they probably worked together in shifts. I mean, somebody had to be awake at all times to watch over the sheep. But, of course, you can't deny everybody needed sleep. And so they probably worked in shifts in order to make sure everybody got the sleep that they needed and to make sure somebody was awake at all times to watch over the sheep. And, of course, the shepherds had the job of feeding the sheep. Now, that doesn't mean they went down to the local pet store or hardware store and bought sheep feed. <laughs> no, they had to lead the sheep to where the pasture was and where the greenest grass was to eat. So they had to have some good walking shoes. There was a lot of walking involved in that job. And we find that the sheep were totally dependent on the shepherd. They tell us, and I have to go with what others say because I don't know. I've never been a shepherd, and you know I, I don't know a lot about animals. Never been a veterinarian. <laughs> but I can tell you one thing. They tell us that sheep are very dumb animals. And sheep would not survive very long if somebody didn't watch over them. Now we know, of course, as Christians today, Christ ultimately is our shepherd. He guides us. He protects us. He feeds us. He cares for us. He totally looks after us just like the shepherds did for their sheep. And you know, it says, or it says in other places in the Bible, that the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. When their shepherd says something, they know it. They recognize their shepherd's voice. And as Christians, we can tell when God is speaking to us in that still small voice. Now, of course, that comes with experience. That comes with making prayer a regular practice in your life. Now, bearing in mind, prayer is not just you talking to God, which, of course, it is. But it's also being quiet long enough and still long enough to let God talk to you. You know, sometimes when we say that we're not hearing anything from God, it's because we're not listening. And in our society today, especially, I know that people today tend to be very busy. They tend to live lives that are very rushed, very busy, very hectic. And sometimes it's hard to stop low enough, long enough rather, to hear God talking to us. I suppose one of my favorite times of the day to hear from God is either at night when I go to bed and my body is trying to wind down and I'm quiet, I'm not saying anything, I'm not recording any radio programs at that time, I'm just quiet. 
And that becomes a very good time for me to hear the still small voice of God. Another time is at morning when I wake up. When I have that opportunity to just lay in the bed and say, okay, now Lord, what do you have to tell me today? And I'm listening for the still small voice of God. I know some of you are saying, how do you do that? Well, it comes with practice. You have to make prayer a regular daily part of your life. Now, there's a lot more I could say about prayer, but this is not primarily a message on prayer. We're talking about shepherds today. <laughs> but anyway, the Bible tells us that the sheep know the voice of their shepherd. And they will generally not take direction from anybody but their shepherd. And once again, that applies to us as Christians. Our marching orders come from God. We don't listen to anybody but God. Amen. Praise the Lord. <laughs> so there you have it. Well, anyway, let's uh, get out our Bibles and turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 8. Luke chapter number 2 and verse 8. And let's see what we can see about these shepherds. It says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Now the shepherds, when it comes to that first Christmas story, the shepherds probably lived the closest to Bethlehem. They were probably the closest to where the Christ child was born. And so here they are at night guarding their sheep. And from all indications, this was a night pretty much like any other night. It didn't seem special, especially before the angels showed up. It didn't seem like there was anything out of the ordinary that was getting ready to happen. It was just a common everyday night. Amen. But it didn't stay common everyday for long. It says, And the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were so afraid. Now, you know, some people might find fault with the shepherds for getting afraid, but let's face it, folks. I mean, they were human. And in this case, this was a sight and a sound they haven't heard before. Here something was happening that had never happened before. They probably thought among themselves, you know, we, we must be hallucinating. Some, somebody must be trying to play tricks on us. They were afraid. So the angel of the Lord comes upon them. And the angel of the Lord said unto them, Fear not, for behold, 
I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. <laughs> so we find that the message of the angel here is not just to the Jews, but to all people. It's for everybody. Okay, let's read on. And this shall be a sign unto you, verse 12. Now let me pause here for a moment. This shall be a sign to you. Now these shepherds, more than likely, were Jewish. I mean, after all, they lived in a Jewish part of the world, or at least a part of the world where Jews were the dominant population. And one thing about a Jew, they were always looking for a sign. Some people point out that's exactly why we find Jesus himself doing a lot of miracles among the Jews. Because Jews require a sign. And the angel of the Lord obviously knew this. Uh, and he says, there shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. That's verse 12. <laughs> Swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Now, first of all, <laughs> it is highly unusual for a baby to be born in a manger. Essentially, Jesus was born in a cattle barn. And his bed was a feeding trough. This was not even in those days, this was not the typical setting for a baby. Even back then, you didn't find very many babies being born in a cattle barn. And you didn't find very many babies with a feeding trough as their bed. But you certainly do here. Okay, now, let's go on. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels, plural, were gone away from them in heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us go now to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass. For the Lord hath made known unto us. Now, we find here that the angels come to a point of decision. They have now heard the message of the angels. And now, they have to make a decision. Um, every day on the internet, I'm always finding new ways to preach and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, when I went to church just this past Sunday, uh, one of the couples in our church said, we were listening to you on YouTube this morning as we were getting ready to come to church. Man, I tell you, I was excited about that. <laughs> I mean, little did I realize that while I was on my way to church and while I was getting dressed Sunday morning and shaving and everything else, a couple in our church was listening to me preach the gospel and teach the Bible. 
And, of course, we get stories about that all the time from our listeners around the world. Day and night, it seems, there's always somebody listening to the life-saving, life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ as it is preached around the world. That's one of the things I love about this ministry is the fact that uh, there's hardly an hour of the day or night when I'm not preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, <laughs> let's roll on. Uh, we find that the shepherds had come to a point of decision. They had a choice to make. They had a decision to make. And they said, let us go unto Bethlehem. Now, they could have stayed right there where they were in the field, or they could go to Bethlehem. They chose to go to Bethlehem. Now, I would imagine that this was kind of risky because, I mean, after all, they still had the responsibility of watching over the sheep. Now, maybe the sheep were so busy uh, feeding on the grass that the shepherds maybe felt like they could be gone a little bit and not have to worry about, um, you know, preaching. I mean, not preaching, but uh, they didn't have to worry about watching the sheep so closely. And two, this was such a special thing, such a high priority thing, that they felt like this was just something they needed to do and that God would take care of their jobs long enough for them to do this. Now, of course, this reminds us that whenever we serve God, there's always a certain degree of risk involved. One of the things that I always tell young men today is the fact that if you're wanting to make a lot of money, uh, you might want to consider something else beside the gospel ministry. One of the sacrifices you have to make as a minister of the gospel is the fact that you understand there are other occupations that you could pursue that probably pay better than being a preacher pays. I can tell you, I mean, I'm almost 68 years old. I'll be 68 in August. And I can tell you that in all my life in the ministry, I've never made a lot of money. I was thinking about it just the other day, and as shocking as this sounds, I think the highest paycheck that I ever got for preaching the gospel was $100. And that was for a week's worth of preaching. That's the highest amount of money I've ever been paid. I've never made a lot of money preaching the gospel. Never have. I did receive one time, I think, a love offering uh, $500. This was many years ago. But I've never made a lot of money preaching the gospel. And as I've also said many times on this program, uh, I do this program absolutely free of charge. 
I don't uh, get a dime for doing this program. I uh, do this program out of the goodness of my heart. No salary, no paycheck, no love offering. I just do it because I love God. So if you're a young man going into the ministry, you need to realize it's not going to be the best paying job in the world. And it's also a hard working job because uh, I've said this before many times. There's no room for a lazy man in the ministry. There is no room for a lazy man in the ministry. There's always something to be doing. Now, having said that, I do think it's good for both the pastor and the church that the pastor have a couple of days off every week. And once or twice a year, the pastor probably should go on a vacation for about a week each time. Rest up, relax. Once again, this benefits both the pastor and the church. Amen. But nonetheless, it is an awesome responsibility. There's a, a lot of work that goes with this. Amen. Now, the next thing we need to do is to recognize what happens next. Um, it says, and they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known around the saying, which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it were uh, wondered in those things which were told to them by the shepherds. <laughs> you might say these shepherds became the first evangelists. Because guess what? On their way back to the flocks, they were telling people anywhere and everywhere about the Christ child. And that lets us know that one of the natural responses for us as Christians is the fact that we ought to be willing to tell others about Jesus. The news is so great and so exciting, we dare not keep Jesus to ourselves. We have to tell others. One of the unofficial goals that I have in my life every day is to spend time every day telling somebody somewhere about Jesus. Amen. I want to tell somebody about Jesus. Because I love Jesus. And because I love Jesus, I can't be quiet about him. I find it absolutely necessary to tell others about Jesus. And, and chances are you will find that in a typical day, God will give you at least some opportunity to tell others about the Lord. Now, that doesn't mean necessarily that you have to beat somebody over the head with the Bible. But just let people know, hey, God loves you, man. God has a wonderful, exciting plan for your life. It doesn't have to be a lengthy statement. And it doesn't have to be much of a statement at all. Sometimes you could just do something nice for someone. 
And then they'll wonder why you did it. And then you can say, well, I did it because of Jesus. Jesus told me to do this for you. Amen. You'll always find some way to tell others about Jesus, especially if you're looking for ways to tell other people about Jesus. When I first learned about the Internet, man, I got excited. I said, I see a worldwide ministry opportunity here. And that was well over a decade ago. Even, even uh, well, I started Sunshine USA a decade ago. But even further back than that, I was using the Internet, Facebook in particular, as a means of preaching the gospel and teaching the Bible. Amen. <laughs> so anyway, it was very exciting today to read about these uh, shepherds and the fact that they spent time telling the good news and they actually made a sacrifice to worship the Lord. I mean, <laughs> they had to depend on God to take care of the sheep long enough for them to go and worship Jesus. And it appears the Lord did just that. I mean, worshiping the Lord always involves sacrifice. I, I will tell you right now, whatever church you're a member of, you need to make it a point to financially support that church. And one thing about it, I've never asked anybody to take money that should have gone to their church and give it to my ministry instead. I've never done that and I never will. Because your first obligation financially as a Christian is to support your local church. That is the thing that you need to do. Support your local church financially. And then if you're still able, you can support other ministries financially such as this one. And you can be sure that any money that does come to this ministry is used very wisely. Like I say, I don't get a salary. I do it simply out of the goodness of my heart. Well, that brings today's Bible study to a close. I hope that you've enjoyed listening. If you have a Bible study question or a prayer request, you can let me know by contacting me by email. My email address is warrenlandis at yahoo.com. That's the first one. I also have a second email address. It's warrenlandis at gmail.com. Or if you want to contact me by snail mail, you can do that too. My snail mail address is warrenlandis, 80 Thruston Street. That's T-H-R-U-S-T-O-N, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510. That's apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, zip code 29605. That's Warren Landis, 80 Thruston Street, apartment 8510, Greenville, South Carolina, 29605. And if you feel led of the Lord and you want to drop a couple of dollars in there to help us out in the work that we're doing for the Lord here at Sunshine USA, that would be great. Well, that brings us, like I say, to the end 
of another broadcast. I've enjoyed doing it today, and you be sure to tune in again next time. And until next time, this is Warren Landis saying goodbye. God bless you, and guess what? I'm going to see you next time on Sunshine USA.